Dawn and Steve, welcome. Bob Mola, this hour to talk relationships and about a love story that changed the world. Where can we find biblical answers for relationships as we navigate them? He loves taking your questions, so call or text 800-555-7898. Yes, Bob Mola back in the studio with us as he is the executive director of For Keeps Ministries, founder, executive director, chief cook and bottle washer, like all the things, Bob, as we think about relationships especially during this week of Valentine's Day. I also, though, want us to think about those that are single during this time. We're going to talk about Ruth and Boaz and this beautiful story that God has given us for faithfulness and just details of how he brought them together. But I am very mindful of our singles during this season. Absolutely. And, you know, the story of Boaz and Ruth does contain uh, a singles element. It's true. Uh, Naomi... (laughs) who is left widowed, yeah. is single. And uh, the story ends with a beautiful um, redemption in her singlehood of how God works in her life and turns her name from Mara, meaning bitter, to one meaning pleasant and joyful. So there, all the elements, both single and married, are involved in this story. But the story ends in that way. It does not necessarily begin that way. The story uh, actually begins a little uh, disobedience, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, if I can frame the, the story for our audience this morning, uh, this is a prequel, if you will. It's set in Bethlehem, a prequel to Christmas. Now, we're past that. We're moving on to Valentine's Day and Easter's ahead of us. But yet the story is timeless because it starts in Bethlehem when a famine strikes the land. And there is a family, uh, the father's name is Elimelech, which means God is my king. Isn't that a wonderful name? Yeah. What if every time someone greeted you this morning, God is my king? That'd be a wonderful name. And I his think wife, Don should name her first grandson that. <laughs> yeah, you got to convince their <laughs> that kids. That be for Convince a the kids. Yeah. That, that, yeah. And his wife's name is Naomi, which means pleasant. And so here's a picture of a godly home. God is king. Relationships are good. And if you will, in a sense, it's like the Garden of Eden. Things were right. They were in right relationship with God and each other. But testing comes to them in the form of a famine. And it comes to Bethlehem, and there's great irony in that because Bethlehem means in Hebrew, the house of bread. So suddenly in the house of bread, there's no bread. bread. And during this time of testing, how do you respond to that? Do you give in to fear? Do you give in to um, desperation? What? Or do you stay and believe that God is uh, going to provide your daily bread? Well, unfortunately, Elimelech, much like Adam and Eve, make a decision to leave the fellowship of God and go into forbidden territory. They decide to move to Moab, which today would probably be mainly Jordan, you know, that kind of area. It's to the east. But Moab, there's a problem with that. It's a land under a curse. God has cursed in the Old Testament Moab because, for two reasons. One was when Lot fled with his family to Uh, from Sodom and Gomorrah, when they were destroyed, they went to the land of Moab. But there, his daughters, not trusting God for uh, husbands or a family, involve um, their father unknowingly in an incestuous relationship, which God judges, of of course. Excuse me. Well, then, later, when Moses leaves Egypt, he wants to go up the east side into the 
promised land. He has to go through Moab. And he asked the king, can we just please have safe passage? If we drink any water, if we eat any food, whatever, we stop, you know, at any of your, your restaurants or whatever, we'll pay you everything. Yeah, we won't take a thing, and we'll just move on through, and we'll be good. And, uh, of course, um, Balak doesn't believe them and instead hires Balaam uh, to come and call down a curse. Remember Balaam, who had the donkey mm-hmm. actually speak to him? Yep. Well, of course, uh, God blesses. He does not curse uh, the people. But because of Balak's activity, the land is now under a curse. Why, why do I share all this? Because Elimelech, living in the house of bread, under the provision and uh, the covenant of, of, the, of the God Almighty, leaves it for a forbidden land and enters into sin. He goes to a place to sort of fix his situation. And you know, I asked this morning, how many of us, let's start with believers, how many of us have wandered into Moab? How many times under great duress, great affliction, unforeseen suffering, sense of injustice, maybe abandonment, I don't know, all the things that can hurt our heart, How many of us have said, you know, I just can't trust God. I've got to take matters into my own hands. And I'm going to have to solve this one on my own. And today, that's a challenge for every believer. Are you living in Bethlehem or Moab? And when things get rough, what's your choice? Well, unfortunately, Moab turns out to be uh, a place of great sadness and loss, as Mm -hmm. sin always is. Because Ruth goes there, or excuse me, Naomi goes there with her husband and two sons, and they all die in the land of Moab. First her husband dies, and then 10 years later, her two sons. And the names in this story are very significant. They tell a story in themselves. Her two sons were named Killian and uh, Malon, which means sickness and wasting. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And that's exactly what happens in the land of Moab, so that soon... Uh, She has two daughter-in-laws that are widows. She's a widow, and she changes. Naomi, who is pleasant, changes her name to Mara. She says, you know, God has taken away everything, and I'm bitter. And how many times do we blame God for the results or consequences of our own bad choices? I think probably a lot of us can relate to that. Maybe you even see yourself in the story of Naomi. and uh, But where does that fit into Valentine's Day as we think about love, mercy, grace? We're, we're going to get to all of that. So hope that you will stay with us throughout this hour as we continue the conversation with Dr. Bob Moeller for Keeps Ministries. And if you've got a question or comment, feel free to text in along the way, 800-555-7898. Well, we're talking this hour with Dr. Bob Moeller for Keeps Ministries. And uh, Bob, as we are talking a little bit about the story of Ruth and Boaz. You've really kind of given us the backstory well, summarizing, you know, how we find Naomi as bitter. She, you know, acted in disobedience and as a result of that faced the consequences of, of those actions there, finds herself single. Her daughter-in-laws are both single because her sons had died. And that's kind of where you had paused the story and we're saying, okay, now we've got a older woman with two younger daughter-in-laws with her and they're probably all mourning the loss of family and loved ones and and it's 
Valentine's week and Ruth and Boaz is a love story. We're on this downer here. So there's got to be love and grace and mercy that enters the picture eventually here. What's what's going well, on next? That is the low point of the story actually is. And that's where the grace of God enters in. Isn't it wonderful that when we've strayed into Moab, God doesn't say, well, you know, you, you made your bed lie in it, so to speak. But he comes to us in our distress. He comes to us in our brokenness in our um, destitution. Three widows didn't have much in this world to support them or whatever. And that's the point at which uh, Ruth makes a, or Naomi makes a critical decision. I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm headed back there. And she tells her two daughters-in-laws, you stay here, you're Moabites, marry somebody from Moabite, you go back to your families and find someone. And here we find, I think, some of the most, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Um, it's read at weddings. It's, yep. it's used often. And I like the King James. Call me a romantic, if you will, but I don't think it says it any more beautifully here. Uh, Orpah decides to take the advice and go, go find her family and maybe find another husband. But Ruth says, no, no, I'm not leaving you. Uh, and here's what she says. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy, thy people shall be my people and thy God shall be my God. You see, the grace of God was stirring at this point, both in Naomi in the desire to return to where she belonged under the covenant, under the house of bread. But her daughter-in-law has now been stirred. This pagan, um, and I won't, for the sake of listeners this morning, we won't do any more downers, but let me tell you, if you want to really be upset, if not traumatized, uh, just study the religion of Moab with Chemosh and the child sacrifice and other things that went on. It is beyond horrifying. Somehow God is stirred in the heart of Ruth where she goes, no, no, I'm not going to leave you. I want to find the God that you once served, that my husband once believed in. I, I, don't tell me to leave. I'm not leaving. I'm going where you're going. Even if I die there, I'm going with you. And see, I think it's the grace of God that stirs in our hearts to repent. We've made some yeah. bad decisions. And whether single or married, we can all look back with regret over you know, I've often said if I write an autobiography, the title will be What Was I Thinking? You know, you look back and go, oh, goodness, you know. But they began, God, this is the grace of God that's stirring in their hearts. So they make the journey. Two widows by themselves make a long journey to Bethlehem. And the Bible tells us they arrive just as the harvest was beginning. Now, now that's a beautiful picture because it's a symbol of God's grace, his welcoming abundance, his super abundant, uh, his super abundant goodness that he would bring us back, not just grudgingly or whatever, but shower blessing. Because this harvest is what we would call in the Greek Testament, New Testament, uh, the kairos of God, meaning the fullness of time. This is a picture of the moment has arrived for God to do something big. And I just say to listeners today, is this a kairos in your life? Are you seeking one? Are you open to one? 
What if this is the moment God wants to work in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, in a way he never has before? You see, he, God never, they left God, but God never left them. That was the truth. So they come home, and it just so happens that it's the harvest time, so there is now grain and there is now abundance in, in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and they happened to start gleaning from the field of a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz in Hebrew means tower of strength, and he's such a remarkable man. He's single, okay? Yep. He's single, and he's an older man. He's been single most of his life. And when he comes to the harvest, um, uh, he greets all of his, his workers, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord be gracious to you. And the workers all stand up and say, no, may the Lord bless you. Now, how many of you gone to work Monday morning where everybody stands up and greets the boss? <laughs> may the Lord bless recall. you. No, <laughs> the Lord bless you. Okay. He's a remarkable guy. Yeah. And he immediately understands the need of the—the the word is out that, that Naomi has returned to Bethlehem. A small town like that, news travels fast. Now, here's something I didn't know till I got a little deeper into this story, that Boaz, who shows kindness to Ruth and Naomi, is actually a fifth-generation Moabite because Judah, his ancestor, the son of Jacob— married a woman named um, Tamar, if you remember, who had yeah. been his son-in-law's wife, but his son dies. She's from Moab. And so okay. Perez and the other descendants of uh, Judah, one of them's actually from Moab. And so I th- it's no coincidence that this fifth-generation Moabite, who's also a Jew, meets these people coming from Mo- and his heart is stirred coincidence mm-hmm. oh no coincidence oh no that and they run into the man you just gave complete validity as to why the lord puts genealogy in the scriptures Absolutely. so that you can go back and see how he's writing the story it is his story and we're learning about relationships today during this week of valentines so that we see what god has done through different people whether it's marriage or singleness God has purpose for our lives, and we're talking about the purpose that he has shown us through the lives of Ruth and Boaz. That's more next. We hope you will go back and listen through the app if you miss any of this conversation with Dr. Bob Moeller as we're talking about relationships and Ruth and Naomi, and they find themselves back in the original homeland, and so sad. They both are widows and looking for that connection and care because they would have needed someone to cover them, if you will, and provide for them. And Dr. Bob Moeller is with us for Keeps Ministries, just looking at the context God has given us. Boaz enters the scene. Now, can you just define a little bit about what this kinsman redeemer means? Because it impacts relationship with the Lord. He is our ultimate kinsman redeemer. But Boaz has an earthly uh, he he provides us in an earthly manner, and yeah. it's important to the relationship. Yes, in the Old Testament, it was commanded that if a man should die with uh, no children, that the brother or close relative should marry the widow in order to keep the name alive and keep the property in the family line. And so uh, that man was known as a kinsman redeemer because he was a, a near kin in one sense and was meant to redeem the lost brother. 
uh, and his property and uh, provide for his widow. Well, the name means literally in Hebrew, uh, one who rescues or delivers, uh, much like the same name, uh, Yeshua, our Savior and our Deliverer. It's a relative that comes to us when we are in danger, trouble, or need, according to um, the definition. And here is a picture of Boaz who starts to provide for these two widows. First, he lets Ruth glean from uh, the barley harvest and take home an abundant amount of grain and then other food and, and, and protects her from harm, being a a single woman and a foreigner alone in a field all day. He orders his men to guard her and in every way shows her kindness. And Naomi is starting to figure out that maybe this Boaz has more interest in Ruth than just simply, you know, giving her a bushel of grain at the end of the day, that there might be more there. And so she says, you know, go dress up in your nicest clothes. And given their their poverty, you have to wonder uh, what she had. But nonetheless, she does. She perfumes herself. She goes down to the threshing floor at night. And uh, Naomi tells her, uncover his feet. Well, that may sound to us like a come on or, you know, you can only imagine. But no, that wasn't the point of it. She went down there by uncovering his feet, basically asking him, will you be my kinsman redeemer? It's she's inviting him to be the one who would rescue here. And here we have another picture of the gospel, don't we? That when we're in great need, we begin to realize the only person that can meet that need is the Lord Jesus. And we come to him, and though he's the one working in us, nonetheless we respond by inviting him to be the one who rescues us from our ultimate danger and ultimate need, which is eternal separation from God. And he becomes Boaz, a picture of Christ, who is willing to redeem us. But to redeem uh, Ruth as his wife, he has to go to the public square, and there has to be an official meeting of the elders. Mm -hmm. And there he says, is there anyone closer to her relative than I who wants to redeem Ruth? Well, there is a relative, it turns out. I don't know how he's closer, but he's one less removed than Boaz is. And when he hears that he will have to marry her and whatever, he goes, no, 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 no. I won't do this because that would jeopardize my property. And no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, You can have her, Boaz. And isn't it interesting how people put themselves ahead of others, how this innate selfishness that's in us all, that's a picture of, of, of any of us, actually. But Boaz goes, then, okay, I will do it. And he hands his sandal to the man, which was, in that day, a way of formalizing a contract. You handed someone your sandal, and it was a done deal. And so he marries her. And you know... There's only one person in this universe willing to take off their sandal for us, and that is the Lord Jesus. And whether you're married or whether you're single today, wherever you are, I want you to understand how loved you are, that Jesus took off his sandal. In a sense, he was willing to sacrifice, to put everything on the line to redeem us. Jesus was willing to say, I will buy you back. I will purchase, and it will be at the cost of my own life, my own blood, uh, and whatever. And today, you asked earlier, Don, about singles listening, and I want to say this to singles. Cheryl and I have had a ministry to older singles for 15 years, and 
we know how difficult a day this Valentine's can be. Um, I want you to put the word acceptance today on your phone or on your refrigerator or wherever you look often because that is the answer to every person's need. Naomi and Ruth and everyone else had been abandoned. Mm -hmm. They had been left. They were alone. And she was a foreigner in a foreign land and whatever, but Boaz accepted her and welcomed her. You know, today, the only way we can actually find peace in our life is to know Jesus has accepted me. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I, it is, I no longer live, but yet I do. In the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me yeah. and gave himself for me. Friends, if you're struggling with rejection today, and that perhaps is the underlying difficulty of this day for many people or tomorrow, no, you have not been rejected. You have been accepted. And what we need to do is allow our lives to be exchanged. In other words, we need to exchange self for the life that Christ wants to give us. Paul said he was crucified, he was buried, he was raised with Christ. He's, in fact, seated in the heavenlies. Today, if you accept your kinsman redeemer, Jesus, you are as accepted by God as Jesus is accepted by God. Think about that for a moment. You are as acceptable, you are as loved, you are as significant, you are as secure as Jesus is. You are. And I'm telling you, if you will counter every negative thought today that comes into your mind, nobody loves, nobody wants me, life is so unfair, I, you know, all the things that bombard us from the evil one or the world, I want you to go, no, no, I am accepted by Jesus. I am accepted by Jesus. What a great truth that is. And we're going to come back and continue to talk about these truths with Dr. Bob Moeller coming up in just a little bit. Bob is the founder and president for Keeps Ministries, author of a number of books, and that conversation continues. Well, Dr. Bob Moeller with us uh, for Keeps Ministries. And, Bob, we've been looking at the story of Ruth and Boaz. We have just a, a couple of minutes left here. And as we have laid out the scenario and you've kind of walked us through how we see the gospel in the story of Ruth and Boaz, what do you hope our, our big takeaway is? Well, I hope, first of all, that I want to speak to any un people who don't know what their relationship with Christ is today, maybe do not have one, who are listening Um, you're living in the land of Moab, whether you know it or not. You see, the Bible teaches clearly we're either living in Moab or we're living in Bethlehem, so to speak. We are either under the curse of sin or we are under the redemption of Christ. And so today on this Valentine's Day, uh, (laughs) pre-Valentine's Day, uh, let me invite anyone who is today not trusting in Christ to leave Moab to say, this is not where I was ever intended to live. This is not what God has for me. I want to find the life. I want to find the forgiveness. I want to find the redemption that Christ has for me. And so, and if you're a believer and you've been flirting with sin and you know you're living today in ways that you should not, I want to invite you right now to repent, even as Naomi did, and I want you to head back to Bethlehem. God is willing to meet you. God is willing to forgive. He's standing there like Boaz waiting to bless you. Um, By the way, uh, Ruth and 
Boaz get married, and they have a, a baby, and his name is Obed. And Obed means servant in Hebrew. And he is the grandfather, Obed, of David, the great king. And he will be in the lineage of Christ, Joseph and Mary, as we get to the New Testament, if you want to trace it back. It's totally amazing what Christ has done in inviting us to repent if we know him and we're dabbling in sin or we've gone full bore. And then there's that moment where we come into relationship with him that's so important. Oh, so thankful, Dr. Bob Moeller, for you being able to join us today and talk about that most important relationship with Christ.